get your Bible, turn to Acts chapter 2. We are in the middle of a six-week series, and it is called Reach chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Reach number one was about a year, year and a half ago, and it was the first phase of what we are doing around here. Reach chapter 2 now is the second phase, having done what we have done with facilities over the last six or eight months. We've prepared ourselves for the growth that is taking place, and now we are preparing ourselves to go to two services, which will start on August the 2nd. Uh, we are We don't attendance-wise necessarily need to do it then. Our growth is going to really happen about the, the third week of August and through the month of September. Uh, but we are doing the first of August so that we can prepare and work out all the kinks through the month of August while we're making preparations so that when all the new folks come, we'll be ready, have all the kinks worked out. And long about the first week of September, you're going to see why two services was necessary. Uh, when everybody gets back here, uh, this is a holiday weekend, you know, and when everybody gets back here, you would see that it would be necessary for us to be thinking along those terms. And so uh, the Lord has laid a, a vision on my heart 24 years ago, told me how big our church was going to be, and he's in the process of growing that church, and I've talked about that. It's not for the numbers' sake. Uh, the vision, the mission is that God is raising up an army here, a big, strong army that is full of the Holy Spirit that's going to be the light in the dark and is going to bring people to the kingdom of Jesus and bring people to the foot of the cross. And so the number that he is sending here is, is not uh, for the sake of us to be able to stand up and brag and say, look how big we are. It's not about that at all. Uh, the number that he is sending here is because he is going to send people here with like mind, like faith, like passion, like vision, who are going to come together and be a force to be contended with. We're going to wreak havoc on hell. And that's why he is preparing us for this army that is about to join us. We are getting ourselves ready to turn babies into warriors because God is going to send a whole new influx of brand new convert Christians and we're going to take them in, love them and disciple them and we're going to turn them into warriors. And so we're really excited about what the Lord is doing and this series is setting us up, preparing us for that. And so um, I won't re-preach it, but I would tell you that when you take that book of Acts and you start walking down through it, when you get down to about verse 38, uh, verse 38 on through the end of the chapter, you're able to break that down six ways and I've, I have uh, used the following words to do that. The first week we talked about the, the uh, command. Uh, you see the command in verse 38 there. The command is that all must be saved. There is no other way, uh, as politically incorrect as that may sound, uh, regardless of what men say in countries and positions of power, it just doesn't matter whether you think it's fair or not, whether you've been brainwashed to believe it is untrue, whatever the case might be, the truth is this. The word of God is truth, and the word says that there is no other name under heaven whereby man must be saved than by the name of Jesus Christ. There are no other spokes that lead to a hub. There's just no other way to heaven but by Jesus. And so we 
cling to that and we know that it is the truth that the command that we have of christ is that we go into all the world the command is found there in 38 where peter said in that message everybody's got to be saved we have to be saved and the command extends once i'm saved the command to me now was given to me by jesus and his commission where he said now you go and make disciples of all nations so the command is everybody's got to be saved Once I'm saved, the command is for me to go and make sure other people are. That was week number one. Week number two was the commitment. And that last week we talked about being committed to instruction, fellowship, communion, and prayer. And we broke those four things down and told you what those meant. We determined at the end of that message last week that we can't back down and we must break through. And so I commissioned you to be praying. I want to I want to see by lifted hands how many of you are praying for our church right now. You're praying for the season that we're in. You're praying as we go through this storm. Raise those hands up for me. You're praying as we go through this season and through this storm. God is preparing us and he's doing something monumental in our church. And so I appreciate you. I'm going to continue to commission you to pray throughout this season. It, it won't just be the enemy that is going to come against us, uh, but there there will be even people that will come against this. And we're going to just believe that God is going to to uh, give us the strength to endure the battles and that we're going to come through this whole thing and, and he's going to do a mighty work in our church. So today we're going to look at this next verse. We're down to verse 43. We dissected 38 through 42 in these first two weeks. Today we're only going to look at one verse not going to take us very long, probably, but it's found in God's word translation. And it reads this way. A feeling of fear came over everyone as many amazing things and miraculous signs happened through the apostles. Now, I want to explain something to you about this passage of scripture. A lot of times in the scripture, when you see the word fear, it translates into the word respect. Did you know that? When you're talking about believers specifically, we're talking about Christian believers. A lot of times in the New Testament, you'll see the word fear. It's actually talking about the respect that we have, that we should have to God. The relationship we have with God, that fear there is not a fear of, oh, it's not a, it's not a dread. I'm running from God. It's not that. It is an awesome and reverent respect of God. That's the fear that we're normally used to seeing. But I want you to understand something about this today. This word that is used in this context is not that word for respect. It's the word phobos, and it means, really means fear. In fact, the definition means alarm or fright to be exceedingly afraid, and it means to be in terror. I want you to understand something about this verse, this word, as it's used in verse 43. It is not a pleasant word. It's not a fun, churchy word. This is not what happens in the church. This is not what God expects the church to, how they wants the church to view him. Get that in your mind. I think that all of our, most of our lives, in fact, myself too, as I've studied and preached this passage, I never stopped and really broke down this one verse. I've always taken it in context with the verses in front and behind, which is what you're supposed to do. But I have never broken it out when, until I found this phobos, until I found this word, I did not understand what was happening in this passage. What you need to understand in this passage is everything that happened up to verse 42 is talking about the church. But verse 43 takes us into a new gear. 
He'll come back to that. But this is this verse here is not describing what was happening in the church, though it talks about I'm going to talk about what it, the verse, what it does say about happening in the church. The result of that, this faba, so this exceeding terror is not what was happening in the church. So hang on with me for him. You still with me? Wave at me. Hang on with me now. Here we go. This verse speaks of the effect that the church was now having on the world and the culture of their day. It's a fitting message for our generation. Let me set it up by telling you this. At this point in the story, the apostles, they're they're busy ministering in, in this mighty revival that has broken out. And the power of God is, is miraculously moving in the midst of the people. And it's being noticed by all of society. What's happening in the church in, in our text could not be ignored by the world. I want you to get that. I want you to understand that. So many times what's happening in the church happens in the church. It doesn't leave the church. It's kind of like Las Vegas. What happens here stays here. You know? It's like we, we, have, we have church, we get in here, we talk about it, we, man, we see mighty things, and then we're like, mm, shut it down, we're fixing to go back out in the world. That is exactly the opposite of why God does what he does in the church. What was going on in the church at this time couldn't be ignored. And these people in the church were so committed to prayer and to the word. We talked about that last week. That they were full of the Holy Ghost. And they were changing their world the way God intended them to do. When the scripture talks about disciples turning the world upside down. That is meant negatively. Not from the church side, but from the world. The world was the one that said, these guys are turning this world of ours upside down. How many of you know somebody needs to turn this world of ours upside down? This world we live in needs to be flipped over completely. This thing is all jacked up. You're living in a generation where I'm telling you right now, your babies in the nursery, they're going to face persecution like people are facing in other countries. If the Holy Spirit, if, if he chooses to, if Jesus re, chooses to, to, to hold off his return, I'm just telling you, we are entering into a season of persecution like this country's never seen. Christians are already under persecution in this country, not to the extent that they are in other countries. But right now, if you're a real Christian in this country, you're the scourge of the earth. Because a real Christian, here we go. A real Christian is living by this word. We don't have a choice. It's not within our within our option or our choice to change it. How many of you know that until God changes his word, whatever he said last is what you stick to? And in this word, we are given things, Old and New Testament. If the New Testament doesn't address something in the Old, then what was said in the Old still holds. There are a lot of things that are going on in our country right now that are politically correct, but they are spiritually and scripturally terribly incorrect.
This world needs a true awakening, a true revival. And there are many people that are open to that. There's a lot of people out there right now, folks, that just, you think, you think, you don't know me. You, you, last few weeks, you might, if you've been around, you might as well get ready. I've been on a roll. There's a lot of people in our world right now that need the devil cast out of them so that they can be saved. But we have relegated demon possession off to medicinal things and said, in many cases, let's put them on more drugs. Some things are mental illness, no question. But I'm convinced that a lot of the things today that we are just simply sweeping under the rug and trying to medicate or else we're not even medicating it anymore. We're legislating it now. Are simply demon possession. Where that if a powerful group would rise up, lay hands and cast out. People would be set free so that they could see the truth and their lives would be changed. Their hearts would be set free and they would become, whether you like this term or not, normal. It's not normal to want to kill your babies. It's not normal to want to have sex with people of your same gender. I might be making you angry, but it's not me speaking. I'm speaking from the word. Anything that can't recreate or procreate itself is not normal. Well, that's not very nice, Pastor. I'm going to show you here in a few minutes where that, that we're not here to be nice. Something happened in this early church. There was a fervor, there was a spiritual revival that took place among the new believers, that 3,000 on that day that jumped in with all these that were already saved and they were committed to the word and they were committed to fellowship and communion and prayer and God changed them and by that he sent a Holy Ghost revival and the world around the church could not ignore what was going on in the church and the people that would normally have opposed the church were exceedingly afraid to do so. They were terrorized by what was going on in the church. Look what's going on among the apostles. Number one, the scripture said amazing things. That's wonders and prodigies. Spectacular events. Things that can only be described that way. They, they were wonderful. They were astounding. They were amazing. I have heard lots and lots of stories from you as we've walked through this last season. Many of you that have had miraculous and amazing things happen in your lives. It's a, why does that happen? Because we're still the same church. We're still in the same dispensation. We are living out the book of Acts. The book of Acts has not ended. These are the acts of the Holy Spirit. And we continue to live them out. So amazing things, wonders and prodigies are happening. How many of y'all have had amazing things happen in your life lately? Just amazing things. That, I mean, answers of prayer and just amazing things that God has done and ways he's protected and provided and promoted you. He's done so many amazing. And all you could do when you told your friends about it is like, it's just amazing. I mean, you should see what God, how many of you have had something like that happen? You should see what God's been doing. It's just amazing. You're a part of this church. Amazing things are still happening. 
And secondly, miraculous signs. Miraculous signs are supernatural miracles that cannot be explained by science or anything otherwise. Where that there's just no other way. Where people back up, scratch their head and say, well, it doesn't make any scientific, it just doesn't see scientifically possible. But I don't know how to refute that. Y'all knew this guy, didn't you? Yeah. Well, he was blind, right? Oh, yeah, he couldn't see anything. He hadn't been able to see anything for years. Well, he's walking around, he can see. I don't know what to do with that. How about this guy over here? He was dead, wasn't he? Yeah, he was dead. They were taking him to bury him. Seriously. Yeah, they were taking him to bury him. They had him in a long line. They were all crying. They were headed to the cemetery. What? Yeah, he'd been dead several days. What? How are we going to, what are we going to do with that? How are we going to explain that away? What are we going to say about that? Supernatural miracles. These things were happening through the ministry of the apostles. I want you to understand something. The battle is, is going to continue to rage against us. But, but if we will give ourselves over to the usage of the Holy Spirit, he will defend us. He will protect us. He will fight for us as we stay focused on the task that he has given us. I'm saying to you that I want you to perform these same things. You say, well, we're not. We can't. We're not pastors. They weren't pastors. We're not preachers. They weren't all preachers. This was the church. They're walking around seeing amazing things and miraculous signs taking place. There's enough of them that are involved in this that the whole cities it's gotten their attention. They can't deny it. Don't be distracted. Don't be discouraged. Don't be disillusioned by the tactics of Satan. He can only do what God allows. Stay focused on snatching those souls out of darkness because God has already won the battle. This is what the apostles were doing. And because of their resoluteness and their focus, they're wreaking havoc on the devil's kingdom in this passage. I want you to notice something with me. They hadn't just gotten the attention of of hell and earth, but miracles and wonders have now frightened the ones that Satan was attempting to use against the church. Notice something right here. They're not these people that are that are usually being used of the devil. They're not casting spells right here. They're not heckling. They're not shooting off their guns or their mouths. Why are they not? Because they are exceedingly afraid to touch this. What God is doing in this text and in the church at that point was so amazing, so miraculous, so powerful that the world may not have liked it. In fact, they wanted them all dead, didn't they? But they were afraid to go in there and touch it because they could see what God was doing. That's what's happening in verse 43. It's not that the, that the miracles and things are happening and all the church is seeing it and being, and being like, wow, we really respect that. That's how we would have read it in the past, that this is still about the church. They're having revival. The church is seeing it. They're going out and saying, man, we really reverence God. We respect God. No, it's not that. These things are happening, and the world is exceedingly afraid to get in the middle of that because they're afraid God will strike them dead. It's different, isn't it? There's terror in this group of people that are wreaking or trying to wreak havoc on God's kingdom because of what God is now doing in their territory. Oh, I'm about to go somewhere. Some of y'all are a lot smarter than I am. You stay ahead of me every week. 
I'm saying to us as a church, let's keep digging. Let's keep praying. Let's keep flowing. Let's open up our heart and our life to the purifying power of the Holy Spirit. Seek to live a holy and a godly life. Get filled with the Holy Ghost every day in prayer and start tearing up the kingdom of the enemy. All these things that the devil's trying to distort and trying to steal and to kill. Let, let's, as a church, let's stop running from the enemy. Let's stop praying to get out of here. And instead, let's stop uh, trying to hide from sin that's so rampant around us. And let's stand up and let's go to the front lines of the fray. Let's put on the whole armor that God has provided. Let's quit running from this thing and let's run to it. The church as a whole right now, the real church of God as a whole, is being encouraged to find himself a hole to crawl into. Current legislation says, okay, this is how all the world's going to function, except for those closed-minded Christians. Let them stay in their little buildings. Maybe someday they'll all die out. We'll, we'll, we'll tax them to death. They won't bake cakes. They don't, if they don't want to participate in society, they just starve to death. We'll, we'll find them. Just this week, poor young couple, two ladies who wanted to get married, were so distraught at the local bakery that they wouldn't bake them a cake. One of them said, I was so distraught that it even caused me to question whether or not there was something wrong with my homosexuality. And the court said, that's wrong, hon. We're going to give you $75,000 and your partner's sixty. That's the only fair thing to do. We'll give them $135,000 and break this poor young couple's business. And the young man now is out working for waste management or something like that. He's, he's working for the, for the local trash pickup and she's trying to bake cakes at the house. How long is that going to hold out? I don't know. But this is the way that the world's going to come against the church. We'll just, all right, you don't want to participate. We'll leave you out of legislation and we'll just break you. We'll fine you. We'll imprison you. We'll take away your ability. What's the end time? What's the word say about it? They won't be able to buy or sell. They won't be able to buy or sell. What's going to happen? You say, well, I thought they were going to, I thought people that weren't going to take the mark, they're just going to cut their heads off. Why? Why would they have to cut our heads off? We can't buy or sell, Jerry. Stay right in your house. Soon as you can't, soon as you can't pay your electric bill, your gas bill, your water bill, you can't buy groceries. They'll let you sit right there till you die. And they'll be glad when you're gone. Now we finally got rid of these closed minded bigots, haters. Pastor, I don't like it when you talk this way. It scares me. You better get scared. Scared enough to get full of the Holy Ghost. And become the New Testament church that God put us on this planet to be. So that we flip the script on this thing. So that it's not us being afraid, hiding, cowering, praying, waving a white flag. Saying, oh, hold the fort, oh, Jesus, come and get us today. It's getting ugly, come and get us, Jesus. And it's getting ugly because I want to save them. Stand up, preach, love, pray, get full of the Holy Ghost, fast. Seek my face, sacrifice. 
Snatch them out of the fire. They're going to burn. He says, I'm going to burn this whole thing. They're going to burn if we don't snatch them out. I've sent you there for a purpose, not for you to pray for me to come and get you out, not for me to let you hide and find yourself a spot to be safe in the four walls of your church. Go out and compel them, he said, in the highways and the hedges and bring them in. Oh, they'll thank you for it once they're saved. Pastor, they don't want to hear what we have to say. Well, their minds have been blinded. That's what the word says. Their minds have been blinded by the enemy of darkness. The things that they are doing are against the things of the kingdom of God. Well, they were born that way, Pastor. No, they weren't. They weren't. They weren't born like that. God created all the world. And then he said at the end of it, he looked at it and he, when he created man, you know, he said about everything he created on the planet. He said it was good till the day he created man. Then he said it was very good. On the day he created man. He'll make no mistakes. Pastor, they're confused. They're, they're lost. Exactly right. You think loving them means that you should just accept them. Well, what if you treated your children that way? My kid wants to play with the stove. I love, I love him enough. I'm going to let him. I just love him. I can't tell him no. I can't tell him no. They like to play out in the traffic. I can't tell him no. They like running in and around the cars. I can't tell him no. They like it. And they get hit by a truck and then they're praying, God, heal my baby. And God's saying, why you let your baby play out in the highway? You got better sense than that. Mm, you see, it's not the same thing. It's the same thing. If we love this world, we won't pray to get out of it. We'll pray to get strong enough to get into the fire. Firemen don't run from fires. Firemen put on the armor of a fireman and they go in the fire and they get the people that need to be rescued and they bring them out. We're not worried about a battle that's raging around us. The Holy Spirit said he's already won the battle. He says, I've won the battle. You don't have to worry about him that can destroy your body. Worry about the one that can destroy your soul and body. Don't worry about your body. Don't worry about your money. If you're doing what I want you to do, I'll take care of all that till I bring you home. Don't worry about the battle. You've already won the battle. Snatch the souls out of darkness before before this whole place burns up. Because it's going to. I want to be so full. Of God that all of hell shudders. Every morning when my feet hit the floor. I realize that we are not here. To be passive. And silent. And unnoticed. We were put on this planet for a reason and it was to govern and it was to deal defeat after defeat to the devil and to his agenda. And when we understand that, it's going to change the way that we live and the way we pray and the way we act. We are here to take the kingdom by force. Not by taking up arms. I'm not telling you we're going to start up a militia. This is a spiritual battle. It's not a physical battle. Jesus said in Matthew 11 and 12, Jesus said, and from the days of John the Baptist unto now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent take it by force. What was he talking about? He also talked another time in scripture about how that when that, 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 uh, that whole rebellion took place in, in heaven, Jesus said, I watched the devil and all of his angels fall from heaven like lightning. 
They couldn't get out of there quick enough. Lightning's pretty fast. They couldn't get out of there quick enough once God had had enough and he turned his angels loose on them. Two-thirds against one-third win. The power of God over the power of the devil always wins. When God had had enough, he said, in this kingdom, this is my kingdom, this is done. You're out of here. And they were cast out. Jesus said, I watched all of that. I saw the violence that kingdoms suffer against one another. But he said, I also saw the violent take the kingdom by force. Which is what we're here to do. No true warrior of the cross ever walked in triumph by quietly allowing himself to be stepped on and ignored. I don't know how you feel about this, and maybe you don't feel the same as me, but there's just something in Aaron and me that I've, been, I've, I've, I've always been the guy that hated the evil, and I always stood up for the underdog, and I was always the one that, that, that if we had to fight, I'll fight. I don't know if there's anybody else like that in the building or not. I know we're supposed to be saved, and we're never supposed to do anything like that, and, and I've been saved a long time, and I don't fight anymore, but sometimes I'm afraid I would. And then I'd have to repent. Because there's something in me that when something is wrong, I will just step up and I'll fight. I'm just going to go to it. And it's going to take a long time to get me there. And you may be the same way. But I'm telling you that I have told God that I want to fight the devil. I want to fight the devil and I want to die a good death. I don't care if I get to live here until I'm 90 and 95 and 100 and I'm laying over here in a nursing home somewhere and they're changing my diaper. I'd rather go a whole lot earlier and somebody come to my funeral and say, that dude right there was a warrior. He fought hell till he died. How do you want to go, folks? Every sacrifice you make on this planet, it means you're laying up treasures in heaven where they cannot be destroyed. Every battle you wage here, every scar you take, every, every wound that is inflicted in your body, in your spirit, in your mind, it all equates to treasures being laid up in heaven. God's not calling the church to be quiet. People are not our enemy. But I'll tell you this. I am tired of the devil's perversion and his lies and his destruction to these poor people. They don't even know. They've believed a lie and the scripture said they'll believe a lie and be damned. Under the present situation, they are damned. There's no way around it. If somebody doesn't come after them, they are damned. They believed a lie and they're going to be damned. And the church is their only hope. The real church not this harlot church that Revelation speaks of that's rising up right now. The harlot church is already alive. They're performing marriages right now. The good news is confrontational. The good news means it's good news. It's the gospel. It's good news. Everybody can be saved. But also the flip side of that is everybody must be saved. There is no way around it. And Jesus said in Luke chapter 12 verse 49, I have come, here we go, this is that passive, white, frail, skinny, wimpy Jesus that hangs on crosses. No, it ain't. This is the rough, tough carpenter, strong, rough Jesus that I serve. Here he is speaking a word in verse 49 says, I have come to throw fire on the earth. I wish it had already started. I have a baptism to go through and I will suffer until it's over. He said, if he suffered, so would I. Verse 51, do you think I came to bring peace on the earth? 
No, I can guarantee that I came to bring nothing but division. Jesus? Passive sissy Jesus? The little white Jesus on my, like on my cross thing? The little white, pale, frail? No, that, that Jesus does not exist anywhere but in hell's mind. And they know the truth. They just they, they, they know he's not that because they seen what happened when he came down there and took the keys to their own house. It's just a lie that they're trying to purport upon this world to make us believe. As Christians, we should be silent and quiet. We should be neither seen or heard. We should stay in our own little rooms and have our own little dinners. Let me tell you something about this confrontational gospel that we're talking about today. This good news, this confrontational good news will set people free. It did me. This confrontational news will save people from hell. There's nothing else that will. This confrontational news will divide the sheep from the goats. This confrontational news will confront the sin of this world and demand repentance or damnation. There will be no other choices. There are no other ways. We are literally fighting the devil for the souls of the lost and the perishing. It's our job to confront sin. It's our job to preach the word and to seek holiness and to battle for the souls of, of those who are open to salvation and deliverance. They're out there, folks. There's still a bunch of them out there. The reason Jesus hasn't come and raptured the church to this point is because there's still somebody out there that's going to be saved. When the last one is saved, he's coming. When the last one that will accept him is, has come to him, he's coming for us. That means that we have a job to do and that there are people out there that want us to lovingly. I'm not talking about being mean. I'm not talking about coming to that church with the Bible standing on the corner, beating people with it. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that we all ought to get angry this morning at the devil, not at people, not at people. But we all ought to just be spitting mad at the devil for what he's doing to people. He has come to kill, steal, and destroy, and he's doing it every day, and he's doing it to some of our friends and some of our family and some of our co-workers and some of the people we go to school with. He has lied, and he is killing them, and he is destroying them, and we are their only hope that they would see Jesus, the real Jesus, in us. We're commanded. We're committed and we are confronted with a mandate that God will not allow our generation to ignore. Why will he not allow our generation to ignore it? Because perhaps this is the last generation. What if God saved us for now? What if this is the generation that sees the rapture of the church? What if you guys are on this planet when Jesus steps out on the cloud and takes the church up out of here. How awesome would that be? And if you're the last generation, then you have an awesome responsibility because there is no hope for them when we're gone. When the Spirit takes the church out of here, the Spirit leaves with it. 
If you can't serve God now with the spirit here, how are you going to serve him when the spirit is gone? It's a sobering message. It's a confrontational message. The Holy Spirit confronts us today in love. He's not saying to us, I want you to get up and blow up an abortion clinic or go shoot some. No, that's not it, folks. That's not it. Those people are not our enemies. They've been blinded. They're the ones we're going after in love. Let's get mad at the devil, mad enough to fast and pray and get full of the Holy Ghost and recognize when these situations present themselves to us, when it's time for an amazing thing or a miraculous sign. Let's be ready to do it. Somebody say amen. When you're confronted with that person that needs healing, why don't you just lay hands on them, be full enough of the Holy Spirit that they can get healed without having to take them to the pastor. And when they need the devil cast out of them, you don't need to go find an exorcist. Just bind that thing and cast it into a pit somewhere and let it wait for the damnation that's coming to it and set that person free. That's what Jesus commissioned the disciples to do. Didn't He didn't say, go out, find some folks, bring them back here to me, and I will. He said, I have given you all authority. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, and I'm giving it to you. Now you go out, and you lay hands on the sick, and they will recover, and you cast out devils. That's the ministry of Jesus. Not just healing, sick, and preaching. Everywhere he's going, he's casting out devils. We don't cast them out anymore, folks, because we are afraid to acknowledge that's what they are. Years ago, I've probably told this story and you've heard it. Been here as long as I have, you forget what you've told. Years ago, I was in an Arby's restaurant in Fort Smith, Arkansas. I was there with a friend of mine who's now a pastor in that city. At that time, he was one of my, one of my youth sponsors. I was a youth pastor. He and I were in a restaurant. And the Holy Spirit, for whatever reason, had... Deb hated this season of my life. But the Holy Spirit had called me into a ministry... Of deliverance, and we were we were casting out. De- I'm telling you, we were casting out devils. I could tell you stories. We were casting out demons. We were seeing some really weird things happening, but we were seeing the power of God overcome those things. We were having some things happen in our own life that couldn't be explained, other than the supernatural. And I walked into an Arby's with a friend of mine and had a tray, and I was just walking along, and there was a lady that came walking past me. And as we walked, I'm telling you the truth. As we passed each other, we both stopped and froze. And we spun and we, we locked eyes. I'd never seen her before in my life. She didn't know me. I didn't know her. We both just kind of gritted our teeth and looked at each other. And then we kind of moved on. I went and sat down. My buddy said, do you know who that is? And I said, oh, no, I've never seen her before in my life. He said, she's a practicing witch here in Fort Smith. He said, when the two of you got together, that wasn't good. It's not ever good for the devil. We win every time. Every single time. If somebody wants to be delivered, if they want to be delivered, we can cast the devil out of them. We can cast those demons out and set those. I've seen it happen in my own eye. I have prayed for people and seen them delivered. I've watched the devil leave them. I've watched their demeanor change. I've watched their personality change. I've watched their speech change. I've I've watched their their mind be purified and cleaned. I've seen it. I'm telling you. 
let's not believe everything that we are told by the enemy's camp. Let's start praying enough so that we hear the Holy Spirit instead of the news. So that the Holy Spirit can say to us, see that person right there? He's done this to me. See that person right there? Yeah, go tell him such and such. Ooh. Go tell her to quit living with that guy. What God, I don't even know her. I don't know her. What if she's not? Oh, she is. Go tell her. Huh? Huh? Tell you something. It's fun to walk in the Spirit. Scary sometimes. It's challenging, isn't it? But it's fun to walk in the Spirit. And to see people when they're confronted with the sin in their life in a loving way, for them to break down and say, how can I be set free? Oh, I got good news. I got good news. I got confrontational good news. You can be set free. You can be saved. You can be changed. I'm going to pray with you, and God's going to set you free. And we're going to, and, and all those spirits that were in here, they're gone, and we're going to pray the Holy Spirit will fill you so that every place where demons have left are going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's going to be some kind of spirit in you. In everybody, there's going to be some kind of spirit. So we're going to cast out the evil spirit so you can be filled with a spirit so there's no room for any other spirits. Pastor, that all sounds too spiritual to me. Don't be a part of being a believe in the lie. Our whole existence is spiritual. That's the reason why it only lasts 70 years. Eternity's forever. This is just a temporal tryout. Our whole existence is spiritual. It's not physical. We're just here for a short time to see which way we're going to go. I'm thankful for the freedom that we have still in this country. To preach like this today. Had I done this in the UK. There's a pastor there right now. Who's facing litigation. For saying. He said. That Islam was satanic. And some of you say. Well that's not right. Well I'm just telling you that. Jesus said when they came to him. They said, Jesus, this guy, there's some guys over here that are casting demons out in your name. Should, what, should we tell them to stop? He said, no, that they're with us, they're with us. But if they're not with us, they're not. If they're working for me, let them work for me. But if they're not, then, then, then we would rebuke them. Anytime there's another group that claims that they are worshiping a God that tells them to kill when our God tells us to die. He doesn't tell us to kill anybody, he just tells us to die to ourselves. then that's not the same God. And anything that is not of the Holy Spirit is what? If it's not of Christ, then what is it? What's the opposite of Christ? Antichrist. Am I right? So anything that's trying to get to God other than Jesus is what? Antichrist, which makes it of a spirit. What's the spirit is it of? If it's not of the Holy Spirit, it's of a satanic spirit. Does that mean I'm mean for saying that? No, it means I'm trying to lovingly tell somebody the truth. That's what the word says. But I'll go to jail for that someday. I've made a decision to do that. I'll go to jail for that someday. I, I'll be persecuted for making that statement. If I was in the UK, I would be facing litigation right now, probably criminal charges for having made that statement that I just made. But all I was trying to do was tell the truth. I wasn't trying to condemn anybody for being a part of another religion or faith. I was just trying to tell them the truth. 
telling you folks, it's coming to this country and God's raising up the church because he's going to come and get us before long. But he's going to come back for a spotless bride and he wants us to be willing to sacrifice. It's not time for us to keep praying prayers of keep me safe, keep me happy, keep me warm. It is God, use me. Use me. Bring me home when you're ready. Use me until then. Let me fight for you until then. And today we're going to receive communion. This is our conclusion of our service today. The reception of communion. The communion. You know what communion was? It was the last supper Jesus had with the disciples. We talked a little bit about it last week. It was that last supper that he had with the disciples. And in that time, he took the, the bread and he said, this is symbolic of my body. My body's going to be broken for you guys. You're going to see here in a couple of days. They're going to break this up. They're going to beat me. They're going to stick me with a spear. They're going to put this crown of thorn on my head. I mean, they're going to tear this whole physical body up. They're going to tear it up. And I'm going to bleed all over the place. And that's what this blood is. When you see my body being broken and my blood being shed, I want you to remember certain things. Remember that you have identified with me. Now, a lot of people today, they want to take communion. Because they think in some way it saves them. It doesn't save you to take communion. The only thing that saves you is if you believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, repent of your sins, and allow the Holy Spirit to change the way you think and act. Then you take communion. And that is your way of saying to a world, I've identified with Christ. I've died to myself. My body, my blood are his. I have become a part of his family. I'm a part of his body. He lives through me. He speaks. He walks. His hands. I, I am his hands, his feet. I'm his voice. He does what he wants with me because I belong to him. So if you take communion for any other reason, if you take communion because everybody else is taking it, or if you take communion because you think it's kind of cool, it's something different, that's the wrong reason. The only right reason to take communion is if you say, I will identify with a broken body and the shed blood of Jesus. I'm in his family. I'm not ashamed of him. I'm going to stand for him. I will take forth his confrontational gospel in love. I am on his team. I am in his family. And I'm proud of it, no matter what it costs me. If they're holding guns to my head, I will still take communion. Then you mean it. Amen? So we don't give it to children who can't understand. We don't, we, don't, we don't take communion for peer pressure just because people around us are. Because the scripture said people who do that, they're eating and drinking damnation to themselves. They're, they're trying to say, like the harlot church of Revelation, that they are the true church when in fact they are leading people the wrong direction. And by doing that, they're eating and drinking damnation to themselves. Don't do that. If you're not going to identify, then at least don't take communion. Don't put yourself in that kind of a spot. But if you're willing to identify with what it's all about, then today we're going to take communion. I'm going to ask our ushers if they would come right now. We do this a little different than what we normally do. Today you stay seated, and we're going to bring communion to, do to you just like we do when we're taking our offering. We're going to allow this to, this to go uh, through the aisles. You know who to take this now. If, you're, if you are a person who has asked Jesus to come into your heart and forgive you of your sins, then you can take communion. If you have repented of your sins, you can take communion. It doesn't matter what denomination. If you're visiting with us and you're from another denomination, it doesn't matter. As long as you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, you asked Him to forgive you for your sins, then you're part of our family, regardless of the name on the door of your church. It doesn't make any difference. You're part of our family. But that's the only prerequisite is that you must be a part of the family of God. So if you would, fellas, go ahead.
While they are serving this to you, I want to lay this microphone down. And I want you to take this moment to just reflect on this word today. Has, ha, you know me, I'm not mean, but hasn't this been a confrontational word? That's the Holy Spirit speaking to us today. He loves us. He loves us. He wants to save us. There may be somebody here today that doesn't know him. He wants, he doesn't want you to leave here without hope. That's what the whole message is about. Confronted with your sins so that you can see past it to know that you need a savior. And then he can save you and set you free. He loves you. We love you. Take a moment to reflect on the word today before we receive this.